Boy, that Antoine Bauza sure loves Japan, doesn't he? My name's Jonathan, and this is The Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about board games as they'd like to know. This week, the game spotlight shines on a beloved French game designer's adaptation of a legendary Japanese film. The game is Samurai Spirit. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast. Joining me this week are my co-hosts Amanda Knight, hey, and Holly Wider. Hello. Thanks for being here. Thank you. So, Samurai Spirit. Uh, this is a cooperative game. We're all on the same team. We're all doing the whole Akira Kurosawa Seven mm-hmm. Samurai thing. Have you guys ever seen Seven Samurai? Uh, parts of, but not the entire thing. Classical black and white samurai flick. No. It's kind of amazing. It's <laughs> uh, it's it's one of those really really well known films that actually lives up to the hype. If you ever get a chance, do see it. Uh, and in this movie. Uh, there's this village of uh, very, very sad farmers who are constantly being attacked by these horrible bandits. And one time they decide they've had enough. They're going to go to town. They're going to hire some samurai to protect their town. And, well, the samurai they get aren't necessarily the samurai they were hoping to find. But they, go, they, they manage to find seven of them. They bring them back. And an epic siege ensues, and it's kind of amazing. And you get to do that mm. in this game. Up to seven mm-hmm. people can play this game. I don't know if any co-op games go up to seven players. Yeah, it's uh, that was the biggest thing about it when I first played it was uh, we got this game, and uh, back back when Snakes and Loggers was a thing, uh, we got it, and we were all so excited because you never get a co-op game that's giant. And we would have lots of big parties come in that want to play these really intense, awesome games. They just don't exist. So this was the coolest thing when we got it. Have you ever had the chance to play Samurai Spirit? I have. Yeah, it was a bit a bit ago, so I might need a refresher. But uh, do you remember what your impressions were? Did you like it? I, d- I did. I really enjoyed it actually, and I forgot what it was called. And then <laughs> I remember when I started, I was like, "Oh yes, this game!" But I haven't played it since. Did you have? Uh, there was three, four of us. And did you win? No, uh, we did not. <laughs> yeah, that's something else about Antoine Bauza's uh, cooperative games. They're not easy. Yeah. No, uh, the fun thing too is I've taught this to tables before. And I remember the first time I taught it to a table. They had played a co-op game before. They would played Pandemic. So I said to them, oh, I have this really awesome co-op game. It's really neat. I'm super excited. Let me show it to you. Showed it to them. They were excited. They wanted to play. They said, I think we got this. We've played Pandemic before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty much my response, Jonathan. That was pretty much my response. I said, oh, oh, it's okay. I I told them, like, just prepare yourself for failure because this is a really hard game. And they said, well, when we get it. And I remember they played it for a few hours. They were playing it. And they finally got it. And when they got it, there was just this huge shout of cheer. There was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when they were leaving, they they came up to me and they're like, got it. We're so happy. They were so excited. Um, and it was just really awesome. And I, I told them, I said, I told you it was going to be hard. And they're like, yeah, but that feeling of satisfaction. And I always find with co-op games, a lot of them tend to be pretty easy. And, at least you know, at first. Yeah. And, and as an experienced gamer, too, when you've dealt with a lot of different game mechanics, sometimes you're just like, wow, I just need to play this on the hardest difficulty I possibly can. So it's neat to have a game that you can play it on easy and it's still super challenging right off the bat. And that was pretty much expected from this, again, from this designer. His, mm-hmm. uh, his previous uh, cooperative game was something called Ghost Stories, okay. which you may have heard. Of. It's a legendarily oh, yeah. cruel game. Like Samurai Spirit, it's not that difficult to learn. But it just smacks you around (laughs) and hates you and wants you to suffer. Uh, This one, not quite so vindictive, I think, as Ghost Stories. I mean, Ghost Stories is that as that relentless pace that just instead of like in pandemic right periods and rising and falling tension Mm -hmm. and ghost stories it's just white knuckle all the way through 
Uh, samurai spirit is a bit of a mix between the two. You have, th- you have a three-act structure, the three nights, yeah. where you have to protect the village against the assaults from these bandits. And, and in between nights, everybody gets to sort of pause and take a breath and get some help. But uh, those those bandits are relentless, though. Yeah. This They're game serious. also has a, a probably a better lead-up than, than Ghost Rays in the sense that because every round gets more intense with more fighters and with more intense yep. you know, lieutenants and bosses coming at you um, increased in every round. The the cool thing is is that you know you, you feel like you're doing okay you feel like you're mm-hmm. doing okay the second round comes around and you're like okay we're we're hanging on we're hanging on the third the third round if you make it you're just like wow oh my gosh yeah. then it's ghost stories yes. yeah <laughs> was that what happened when you played yeah pretty much I, uh, yeah <laughs> so the first thing to talk about when getting into samurai spirit is the way it looks mm-hmm. it's got it's got a really distinctive visual appearance what what do you think of the the look of this game. Uh, well, it's really interesting because the actual board part, there's like flowers on it and it like looks very, not very intimidating. I mean, there's the fire there. So it's like, oh, look, a nice little cute board game. <laughs> and then the actual samurais, they all look pretty intense, but I love when you flip them over and you see the like... The animal spirit. They've become animals, which yeah. is like so awesome because they all become different animals, but they mm-hmm. all still look like the original character. Yeah. It's and, and they've got this really uh, intense cartoony sort of style to them. And, mm-hmm. and you look at these guys and yeah, they look very hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Oh start. yeah. And then you flip them over to their animal side after they've gotten yeah. a couple of wounds and they're even more hardcore. Yeah. Although hardcore raccoon dude is perhaps uh, <laughs> maybe not the most bear compared to bear dude yeah. or tiger dude. Tiger yeah. dude, that's uh, my favorite. They are all dudes. Though, <laughs> they are. That is that is uh, my only qualm yeah, with probably. the design of the game. And the best thing is, I I do believe I don't quote me on this, but I think uh, Antoine was actually asked about that in, in his design, and um, he said that what he wanted to do was it wanted he wanted to really make sure that he was staying true to you know the seven samurai, which yeah, I, I was like, yeah, of course because all samurai become animals yeah. that's yeah <laughs> that's, exactly. that's real exactly that's real however there is a gentleman that has a braid who looks kind of androgynous so what okay. i like to say is is i kind of can say if Fair you enough. want to play him as a lady mm. sure yeah daisuke i think is how you say his name yeah. or maybe not at all <laughs> and uh, and there aren't any female bandits either no. which is uh still the, eh. it, there's little Dolls on the board. That's there, they represent are, the families. Yeah, yeah. so families. presumably there are girls in the helpless families that are being uh, slaughtered. Attacked and you know? slaughtered. That's, That's... <laughs> okay. This is getting depressing. Let's get back to the fun stuff. All right. Because uh, yeah, that that is a point that many people bring up, and I agree. It would have been it yeah. would have been nice if people had at least had the option. Yeah. But uh, but the, the way that they do these bits, how when a farm burns down, you actually take away the farm token yeah. and you're, you're left with a smoking ruin in its yeah. place. Uh, the fact that these these little families are represented by little dolls and the fact that they help you every night is also kind of amazing. You really want to keep them alive, not just mm-hmm. because they're you know, because it's the goal, but because you know they're, they're there. They're, they feel almost like they have some agency in the game. Yeah. So when we're playing this game, what are we doing? Uh, we are pretty much going to be doing a few different things. Uh that, that you can do on your turn. You can do one of three different things. Uh, you can either uh, support or you can fight. Um, when you fight, you have the option to actually fight something and put it in your battle track, um, which increases that. And every character has a different sort of amount of people it can take, depending on how intense they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can defend against them. Uh, the other thing you can do is um, you can pass. Yeah. 
Usually don't want to do that unless you have to. Yeah. No, passing is usually something you do when you're forced to pass. And the other idea being as well that when you're supporting people, there are cards that will sneak past you. So uh, raiders, bandits that will sneak past you and, and become a problem nice. later, possibly. However, when you support people, you give them their super awesome power, which I don't think we've talked about yet, but every character has mm-hmm. a super awesome power. In fact, they technically have two. Yeah, one that goes off, uh, one's always on, and one that goes off when your ki power hits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The combat track is a little bit like playing blackjack. Every time you fight another enemy, it's like, okay, hit me. And you're putting another yeah. card in your combat track, and you're fighting more and more. And, uh, but if you go over, if you go bust, then you're overwhelmed, stuff starts to burn. Did and you, you have to pass. Did you tend to fight aggressively or were you more defensive in your game? Instead of holding back oh, being sure not to get overwhelmed. Um, I think I was like a, a mid, mid-range mid there. Yeah, trying like, to strike a balance. Yeah, yeah. And we kind of like saw what the next card, you know, and then if it was better to pass to the other person because like they could defend that better than me. Right. It so worked you really used, You were using the combinations of your special powers to peek at cards yeah, and exactly. kind of pass yeah. cards around. So, yeah. All right. So you, you were really basing it heavily on what your abilities were and what the other... This is everything you have to do to actually win the game. Yes. Yeah. And it still wasn't enough. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It is, it is a big uh, team game where if you go into a game thinking, wow, I want to fight everybody, and you're playing with a bunch of people that always wants to fight everybody, you're probably going to lose the game. Mm-hmm. However, if you have one friend that loves fighting things, then you should make them uh, one of the more intense characters, like, uh, like Gorbat, the tiger dude. who's the bear, mm-hmm. or the tiger dude, who has a name that I don't remember. Uh, Kikuchiyo. Yeah, there you yeah, go. That's, that's his name. He's very serious. Yeah, he is but, very serious. Uh, but he gets to draw extra cards. But by the same token, somebody who's more cautious is going to play somebody who, uh, who gets to peek at extra cards and pass them around and make sure that the load is evenly distributed between the players when we actually defend these places mm-hmm. as well as attacking. Mm-hmm. And striking that balance between attacking and defending is really kind of at the heart mm. of Samurai Spirit. Every time you come up against a villain, uh, one of these bandits, you have to decide how you're going to deal with mm-hmm. it. Uh, it's true that there's only just two choices, attack or defend, but it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Especially because if at the end of the round we haven't protected all three of the areas of the game, so your peasants, your farms, and your families, then you're going to end up either having to take wounds, things will burn, or families will die. And this is a game where if you lose all the farms and if you lose all the families, you're gone. Or wait, if you yep, lose it. all either the farms one. or you either lose one. all the families. Yeah. Either one yeah. of those two. Th- and there's only three families. Yeah. So yeah. And there's only really six have to work hard to protect farms. Them. Yep. And it's not like you get them back later. No. That is a thing that people always <laughs> think. So at the end of the round, I've answered a lot of questions about that as a guru. At the end of the round, everything comes back, right, Amanda? No. 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 <laughs> it does not. Uh, you do get to rebuild barricades sometimes, but you do not get to rebuild farms and mm-hmm. you do not get to bring dead families back. Yeah. No. So if you manage to make it through these three terrible nights of attacks, each one more intense than the previous one, and there's still at least one family still alive and still at least one farm still standing, everybody wins and takes an enormous breath <laughs> as they can yep. finally... Oh my goodness. It's, it's such a huge finish. That's one of the things I love about this game is that either way, mm-hmm. uh, with that heartbreaking loss or with that fist-pumping triumph... Uh, a lot of cooperative games can sort of fizzle out towards the end, not this mm-hmm. one. So what's sort of, you, you, obviously, Amanda, you've had tremendous luck with this one as a, mm-hmm. as a cafe game, not just at uh, lattes, but at lagers when that was around. Yeah. Um, so the only, the only thing standing in my way with this game uh, in terms of uh, when we were at lagers was that it's a meaty teach. There's a lot of symbols and a lot of things mm-hmm. to explain. So because of that, when I was also serving and teaching, it was hard. But as a game guru on the floor, 
you have more than enough time to sit down and teach it. Now I could probably teach it in about 10 minutes, I would say. Um, And then just check in with people to make sure they get it. So yeah, I love this game. I also own this game. So (laughs) it's one of my favorites. How did it, how would you find learning this game? Was it, was it difficult? Uh, I don't think it was so much difficult along with like the people who were there were pretty quick learners for Mm -hmm. games. Uh, But I do think that because with the cards, there is no instructions on the cards as some games tend to have. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it doesn't say what the symbol does. So sometimes you have to like flip back and be like, oh yeah, it does this. So it's not that hard to figure out, but it is like, oh yeah, okay, this does this and this means that. Antoine Boza famously hates text. Mm -hmm. He always likes to use pictures, little pictographs Mm -hmm. in his games. Um, But uh, as you say, it can sometimes be like, I mean, I flip this over, okay, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, There's also the idea as well with the rules. I remember the first time I sort of picked through the rules, there is some stuff that's a little vague as to uh, what you're doing. So that's the only thing I could see is if you're picking this game up by yourself, you might want a second opinion on things Mm because some of the rules are a little open-ended as well as uh, just flip to the back of the book for the whole game because that's where all your symbols are Mm -hmm. hiding. Were there any other things that caused any problems or was it just basically a great experience. It was it was great. I just think that we as a group wanted to play it again and we didn't have enough time to at the end <laughs> uh, because we're like, now we know what we're doing, which probably would how have failed. How long does it usually take to play? Oh, my... Uh, I don't know. Uh, it depends on how many people you're yeah. playing with, really. Uh, you can also play a solo game of this where you just oh. pick a bunch of characters <laughs> and play. Um, I've played with two people. I've played with seven people. On average, anywhere from 30 minutes mm. to like an hour. Mm. I think that uh, depending on how long you can survive. I think that feeling, Holly, happens at a lot at the end of a lot of good cooperative games. <laughs> yeah. First, if it's if it was really good, then win or lose, you want mm-hmm. to play it again. Yeah, as soon as exactly. Possible. And that's our game spotlight for this week. If there's a game you'd like to see in the spotlight, tweet it to us at Snakescast. I'm always curious to know what other people are curious about. What are you playing? What do you want us to get into? And how do you think it might fare at the cafe? Amanda, Holly, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. The Snakes Cast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to people in it and not the company behind it. Until next week, game on. Snakes Cast.